Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And can I just say this, and again, and again, and again, and again. Amen. He is a great God. What a wonderful Lord we have. Well, take your Bibles tonight. If you brought your Bible with you, we hold up the Word of God. And let me ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 2 tonight. Philippians chapter 2, page number 1259, if you have an old Schofield Bible. And uh, I want to read some verses here. I'll ask you to leave your Bibles open. We're going to preach through a story tonight very briefly. It is four minutes till six o'clock. Preach through a story, and I hope it'll be a blessing and a challenge to our hearts here tonight. Now, we will not this week be having an organized soul winning. We'll start back up again next week, but we will not this week on Wednesday have an organized soul winning. But I want to encourage you, man, reach out to folks, invite folks. Maybe you've seen some people that weren't here today that maybe hadn't been here in the last two or three weeks, so reach out to them. And then don't forget, Wednesday night, I hope you'll be here. I've been preaching through the book of Malachi for the last seven years, and uh, so I hope you'll be here uh, Wednesday night, and we'll see what happens together, all right? Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 24. The Bible said this, But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. So he's writing to the believers at Philippi. Paul said, I'm just praying and trusting the Lord that myself, myself, I want to come see you folks. And I hope it's not going to be long for I can get back to Philippi once again. Verse 25, yet, yet in my absence, I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed, speaking of Epaphroditus, he was sick unto death. I mean, Paul said he was so sick he was about to die. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully. So Paul said, now I'm sending him back to you now, very carefully, cautiously, that when you see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh to death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Leave your Bibles open. Let's pray. Father, bless your word, and I pray speak to our hearts tonight. And the Lord, bless this, uh, the, the story of this man's life, to the good of our hearts. God challenge us from his story about being the right kind of a church member, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were with us last Sunday evening, then you may recall that I told you for a few Sunday evenings, we're going to be looking at some of the lesser known, some of the not-so-famous people of our New Testament. Our New Testament is filled with the stories uh, the lives of people that we're very familiar with, such as the life of John the Apostle. We know a whole lot about old John. We have five books of his Bible, five writings of his uh, books that he wrote that, that's in the Word of God. But we know a whole lot about John, and well, we know how, uh, much about James, his brother, and well, we certainly know a whole lot about old Peter and also about Paul. We know a lot about these people, but I think you'll agree with me when I say that our New Testament is filled with the names of people that are lesser known, people that not really a whole lot is said about them, 
people that we really don't know a whole lot about, but nonetheless, they were people who were important to the ministry and people who were important to the church. They are the lesser known people of the New Testament. You know, Paul, as he closed out every letter, seemingly had the habit of, uh, of writing the names of some of these lesser known people. He had a habit of sending greetings to people. Various names. I read last week from Romans chapter 16, and I think I told you there were 37 names in Romans chapter, uh, chapter number 16, many of which we know very, very little about. And he had a habit of saying at the end of his letters, hey, tell so-and-so I said hello. And by the way, I've got so-and-so, I've got Sylvanius, I've got Silas with me, and he said to tell so-and-so hello as, as well. And when you move through all those lists of names, you know, sometimes you kind of get a snapshot of some of the lives of those believers. Some, on some occasions, just a little bit more said about them than just tell them I said hello. It seems like Paul adds a little bit more, and from those few bones that were given about their life, we can develop a skeleton of a story. Last week, you may remember, we looked at a husband and a wife team. That's mentioned throughout the New Testament on three or four occasions, and that was Aquila and his wife Priscilla. And they remind us of the importance of husbands and wives serving the Lord together. I want to say again that nothing is more beautiful, nothing is more pleasing to the Lord than a man and his wife who are yoked up together and involved in the work of God, laboring together for the Lord. I tell you, that's a beautiful thing when a man and his wife get involved serving the Lord. Boy, we ought to encourage each other in the work of God. Every wife ought to encourage their husband in the work of God, and every husband ought to encourage their wife in the, in the work of God. Do you have any idea how many women sitting in this church tonight would love to have a husband sitting by them that wants, that's interested in serving God, but they don't have that? Or how many men sitting in this room tonight would give their, their left pinky to have a woman that would sit beside of them in church and labor with them in the work of God? They don't have that. But if you do have that, you are truly blessed. And boy, you ought to encourage your spouse in the things of God. Well, tonight now, we come to another one of these lesser-known people in the Bible. His name is Epaphroditus. I mean, if you went to bed last night thinking, boy, I hope I go to church tomorrow. And hear the preacher preach about Epaphroditus. You probably didn't even give that much thought last night as you were laying down getting ready to, to go off to sleep. But he's one of those lesser known people in the Bible. Can I tell you what I think Epaphroditus was? I think he was an usher in the church. Now we have a number of men in our church that are ushers in the church. Not only ushers, but hushers. See these men by these doors? You know what they are? They're hushers. If you get real loud, they'll come to you and say, Hush. <laughs> Boy, we need all the ushers and the hushers that we can get. But I think Epaphroditus was an usher in the church. Now, we know how the church of Philippi got its start. Paul went there. The Bible said that he was directed by, there by the Spirit of God. He was going to Asia. The Spirit of God stopped him, led him to the, uh, the continent of Europe, to the city of Philippi, and, and, and he went down by the riverside. They were having a prayer meeting down there. A, li a lady by the name of Lydia. She was not even from Philippi. She was from Thyatira, Acts 16. And the Bible said, Paul preached the Word of God, and God opened her heart, and she gloriously got saved. She become, I guess we could say, the first member of the church of Philippi. 
And then a little bit later, there was that little fortune teller girl that was following Paul and Silas through the streets of Philippi, saying, These be the servants of the Most High God. And Paul turned around and rebuked the, de the demonic spirit that was in her, and she got gloriously saved. She became the second member of the church of Philippi. And then, of course, Paul and Silas were thrown into jail because her masters got mad because they lost their ability to get money from her, telling fortunes and reading Ouija cards, uh, not Ouija cards, but reading those, uh, what kind of cards? Yeah, y'all go, I, I knew some of y'all went and did that, tarot cards. And uh, man, and they lost their, their, their money off that she was making for them, reading palms and parrot cards and Ouija boards and stuff of that nature. They got mad, threw Paul into jail. Him and old Silas at midnight started praising God and singing and having a good time in jail. And the old jailer came in and got saved. And not only did the jailer get saved, but his whole family got saved. And they become the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh members of the church of Philippi was somewhere along the way in one of those very silent New Testament conversions. This man by Epaphroditus got gloriously saved and became a member of the church of Philippi. Now, he was just a member. Uh, there, there's no text in our Bible that says he was a preacher there. There's no text that said he was a deacon. There's no text in the Bible that said he sang in the choir. There's no text in the Bible that said he taught the Word of God. About the only thing I know he did was take up an offering. He was an usher in the church of Philippi, but what a good member that he was. Could I title this sermon tonight, The Church Member of My Dreams? Yeah, if anybody, if anybody was a good church member, it was Epaphroditus. Let's read his story tonight. Let me say three things about it. First of all, I want you to look at verse 25, and from what we're told about him in verse 25, we find that Epaphroditus, number one, was a balanced believer. He was a balanced believer. Now, I say that on the basis of what we're told about him in verse 25. Paul said, I wanted to come myself, but until I can get there, I'm going to send Epaphroditus back to you. Now, what had happened was this. Epaphroditus had gone to be with Paul while he was in prison. And then Paul, while locked up in jail, obviously couldn't go back to the city of Philippi. So he said, what I'm going to do in my absence, I'm sending Epaphroditus back over there to the church that he belongs in. And then he said this about him in verse 25. Paul called him three things. A brother, a companion in labor, and a fellow soldier. Now, what you have there, believe this or not, is a picture of a balanced believer. You know, sometimes if we aren't careful as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we can become unbalanced. Our Christian life can become one-dimensional if we aren't careful about that. We have to be careful to maintain balance in our life. Many churches are like that. If churches aren't careful, many times churches can become unbalanced. They have a tendency to lean in one direction or the other direction. And we need to pray for our church to stay as a balanced church. You know, there are some churches, all they do is try to win people to God. I'm for that. Thank God for that. Then there are other churches say, no, we don't specialize in winning people to God. We specialize in discipling converts. Well, where's the balance at there? I think we ought to win them but I also think we got to disciple them as well. There's a balance that goes along with that. I remember years ago in Mount Airy, a church, my first revival meeting I ever had as an 18-year-old preacher was in Midway Baptist Church. 
good church. Preacher Lee Meadows was the, the pastor of Midway Baptist Church. God's hand was on that place for years. They ran buses, had 900, 1,000 people there in that church. Uh, some of his, y'all are kin to Preacher Lee, weren't you? Maybe sitting here, some of y'all know him very well anyway, are kin to Preacher Lee. What a great preacher he was, but somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, that church got involved in fighting fight Mormonism. And they become all about fighting. And by the way, we ought to fight Mormonism. I'm for that. We ought to preach against it. Man, we ought to, we, you know, we ought to stand against that. We're not Mormons, man. We're, we're saved. We're born-again believers. But they started fighting, and that's all they become about was fighting Mormonism, and the church, little by little, began to trickle down because they kind of leaned, they got unbalanced. They leaned in one direction. Now, listen, I want to preach against everything we ought to preach against, but at the same time, brother, let's stay balanced about that. Let's be a balanced believer. Let's be a balanced body of believers here at Woodland Baptist Church. Notice three things Paul said about it. First of all, he said in verse 25, he's a son in the family. Look what he called him there. He said, "My uh, verse 25, my brother. Now, he was literally not Paul's brother, not physically in the flesh, but because he got born again, he became Paul's brother, brother in the family of God. I don't know if you ever notice this around here, but when we talk to each other, we call each other brother or sister around here. In other words, when people address me, sometimes they say, hey, Brother Tim, or, or I'll say, hey, Brother Mark. Now, he's not my physical brother, but he's my brother in the Lord. I may say, sister so-and-so. She's not my literal sister, but thank God we're in the same family. Got the same father. Father, we may have different mothers, but thank God we got the same heavenly father, which makes us children in the family of God. Yeah, he was a son in the family. Notice number two, he was a servant in the field. Because Paul went on to call him there in verse 25, my companion in labor. You see, old, old Epaphroditus realized there's more to this thing than just coming into the family. That would have been a good place to say amen right there. There's more to this thing than just getting saved. God just didn't save you just so you could go to heaven when you died. God saved you because he has a purpose in mind for you, and that purpose is for you to become a fellow laborer, a companion in labor. If God would have just saved us to carry us to heaven, he should have just saved us and then just carried us on up to heaven. But he left us here. The Bible said that he has, he has ordained that we should walk in good works. Let me quote it to you, uh, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the Bible said we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works, verse 10, that God hath before ordained that we should walk. God saved you so you could get involved in the labor of the Lord. So he was, he was a son in the family. He was a servant in the field. By the way, Paul said, this old boy, Pepperditis, he didn't mind getting his hands work dirty in the work of God. Paul said, every time I'd swing the hammer, Pepperditis was holding the nail. I mean, here's a man that has invested his life in working side by side with the man of God for the glory of God. He was a son in the family, a servant in the field. Look at verse 25. Paul said he was a soldier in the fight. Look at verse 25, because Paul went on to call him this, my fellow soldier. You know what that, that tells me? Epaphroditus realized that being in the family of God meant that you were in a battle. 
You see, when you get saved by the grace of God, it means this. The, the war is over. The victory's been won. Now the battle begins. That's right. Because when you receive Jesus, you not just only get the greatest friends you'll ever have, you also gain the greatest foe you'll ever have. To be a believer is to be in a spiritual warfare. And Paul said regarding this man of Paphroditus, sure he's a son of the family. Sure he's a servant in the field. But Paul said, I tell you, he's a soldier in the fight. He's put on the whole armor of God and he's fighting for truth and right. Kind of get the picture of a balanced believer. You see, a lot of us, if we're not careful... I said a moment ago, there's a tendency to get out of balance because here's where many people are. They're just thankful to be a son in the family. That's as far as it goes with them. They're saved. They'll live in heaven when they die. That's it. They're satisfied with that. The idea of laboring for the Lord, working for the Lord, hasn't even entered their mind. You know what's wrong with them? They're out of balance. That's right. And then there are some people, all there. We used to have a man at the church I used to pastor. He'd show up for every work day we had, but we couldn't blast him in the church on Sunday morning with a keg of dynamite. He was, he, was, he was very interested in working for the Lord, laboring. We had a clean-up day, a paint day or whatever. That old boy would show up, but he wouldn't come to church half the time. You know what's wrong with him? He's out of balance. Yeah, he was interested in working, but he wasn't interested in worshiping. And then there's a lot of people that you know that'll show up at church, but they won't witness, try to win one soul, been saved for 50 years, never walk anybody down the aisle. And the truth of the matter is what's wrong with them? They're just unbalanced. We ought to strive like Epaphroditus, this old usher in the church. We ought to strive to be a balanced believer. Can I have an amen? Let's be balanced. Hey, let's be balanced. I want to be balanced. As a pastor, I want to be balanced. I want to take a stand but I want to be balanced about that stand. I want to be full of compassion, but I want to be balanced about my compassion. And I don't care what anybody says to me that tries to get me to lean one way or the other way. I'm going to fight to my daredevil best to stay balanced. Blessed are the balanced. That's the newest beatitude that I've just written. It's in 3 Timothy. It'll be out soon that I'm working on right now. Blessed are the balance. So number one, he was a balanced believer. Number two, look at our text. I'm hurting now. He was a burdened believer. A burdened believer. Look again at this text. It seems evident that what happened in our text is this. The church at Philippi, while Paul was in prison, took up an offering. But they had to get it to Paul. They didn't have Western Union. They just couldn't, uh, couldn't uh, wire him money back in those days. So they wanted to get this offering that they had received for the Apostle Paul to take care of his needs while he's in prison. So the Bible said, if you look over at chapter 4, verse number 18, that they sent this offering that they received by the hand of Epaphroditus. Evidently, he's an usher. He deals with the money in the church. And as an usher, he carried this love gift that the church had received to the Apostle Paul while he is there in prison. But then Epaphroditus didn't turn around and just beat it back home. He stayed there where Paul was at in prison, and he became Paul's personal, I hope you'll understand this phrase, valet while he was there in prison. He became Paul's personal caretaker while he was there shut up in prison. And in fact, if you look in our text, I mean, he so dedicated him, himself to the ministry of helping his pastor that he neglected his own help, and in the process, he almost died. 
If you don't believe that, look now at chapter 2. Look again at our text. And Paul said this. Verse number 26, the last phrase there said he had been sick. Paul said indeed, verse 27, that he was sick nigh unto death. And the reason, verse number 30, Paul said, verse number 30, that Paul said he was so sick is because he neglected himself to take care of me. You see that? Let me read it to you, verse 30, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh to death. You know what this old boy did? He nearly worked himself to death in the work of God. When's the last time you heard somebody that almost worked themselves to death in the work of God? But his burden came to this fact. Paul said there in verse number 27, he said he was sick, he was nigh unto death. Back up in verse 26, he said, uh, your, your brother Epaphroditus, he longed after you all. He was burdened for you. Talking about his church family because he heard that they had heard that he was sick. In other words, listen, what happened was this. He was so concerned for them because they were so concerned for him. I mean, you've got to read into that. This old boy loved his church. He loved his church family. And when he found out that they had heard that he was sick and they were worried about him, he became burdened for them because, because he was worried over his church family. That tells me something about this old boy. He loved his church. He was burdened for his church. Now, in our day, most people have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude about the church. They come when they take a notion. They give very little, if anything. They seldom pray or ever invite anybody to church. And, as a ch and if their church has a need, you count on them all right. Count on them to saturate this place with their absence. That's exactly right. Because, and by the way, and if anything ever happens, they'll run right out to the car, and the next Sunday, they'll go church shopping. That's right. Whatever happened to people just coming to a church, driving their stakes down and saying, okay, man, I'm here. God led me to this place. This is my church. This is the place that God has put my heart. Whatever happened to loving your church? Whatever happened to commitment? Whatever happened to driving down your stakes and just staying a while? Whatever happened to faithfulness? Whatever happened to man, this is my church. This is a place that I'm investing my life in, and I'm not going to leave it. Whatever happened to that kind of mentality in these days? Can I tell you something? I love this place. My heart is in this place. I love the leaders of this church. I love the teachers of this church. I love the members of this church. I love the families of this church. I love the spirit of this church. I love the atmosphere of this church. I love what this church is about. And I love the head of this church. The Lord Jesus. Is this church perfect? Not on your life. You know why? We don't have a perfect pastor here. But I didn't come just to stay long enough for somebody to make me mad. Because if that were the case, I'd already moved on. I didn't come till somebody hurt my feelings because my feelings have already been hurt. I didn't come just till somebody knocked a chip off my shoulder. I didn't come till somebody criticized me. I didn't come and stay long enough for somebody to just disagree with me. I didn't come till somebody stands up and recognizes me. Friend, I'm here regardless. Hey, look, man, if, 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 if I'd just been here long enough somebody made me mad, I'd done moved on. Till somebody criticized me, are you? 
kidding me? Till somebody disagreed with me? Till somebody, ladies and gentlemen, didn't recognize me? Listen, I don't care. You can criticize, take a big bite, hang on for, for as long as you want to, but I'm not here because you led me here. I'm here because God led me to this place. And I'm here, at least for now, at least till 620. I didn't come here until uh, something better comes along. I'm not, I'm not looking for a better place. I just want to tell you that I'm committed. I'm plugged in. I'm anchored down. I'm tied up because my heart's here. Amen. He was a burden. How burdened are you? Where's your heart at tonight? Well, you say, preacher, somebody made me mad, and I'm going to go hunt me another church. Well, go on, bless your heart. That's your attitude. If that's what you've got to do, somebody, you say, somebody hurt my feelings. Are you kidding me? They hurt your feelings down there at the work. Boss cuss you out, and you show back up the next morning. Well, you say, preacher, somebody made me mad. Somebody made me mad. Come down the road a while ago, cut me off, but I still come on down the road anyway. You say, preacher, somebody criticized me. Are you kidding me? Hey, criticize away. But if God puts your heart here, why in the world are you looking around? Amen. He was a balanced believer, and I'm done. He was a burden believer, but he was a blessed believer. Now, why do I say that? Look at this, and I'm done. Paul said this in verse 27. He is such a... And when I say the word blessed, I'm not talking about God-blessed. Though I know he was. I'm just talking about, man, he was a blessing to other people. And the reason I say that, Paul said in verse 27, if he had died, it would have added sorrow to my... Paul said, my heart would have broke if this man would have died. I mean, he has such a great spirit about him. He has, su he has just such a, a wonderful disposition about him. I mean, man, he's always positive. He's full of joy. He's upbeat. Paul said, I tell you, if he would have died, man, I would have had sorrow upon sorrow. That's right. And then he said this again in verse 28. Paul said, I'm sending him back to you, verse 28, because I know when you see him, you're going to rejoice about it. Now come up close. Can I ask you something? Some people said that, uh, somebody once said that some people look better going I didn't say that. I said somebody said some people look better going than they do coming. Well, this precious believer that we're writing about, talking about tonight looked better coming than he did going. You know why? He was just a refreshment to be around. He was just such a joy to be around. And I just want to say all that. I said all that to say this. Man, let's be an Epaphroditus. There's enough. There's an old boy over in 3 John. His name is Demetrius. No, I'm sorry. His name is Diotrephes. You know what? The Bible said he was so cantankerous that couldn't anybody get along with him in the church. Let's don't be a Diotrephes. Let's be an Epaphroditus. Amen. Let's don't be somebody that when, when your name shows up on their cell phone, you hit the ignore button. You know why? Oh, what in the world are they calling me about now? You know what? I'll tell you what. There are the di diatrophies. But I tell you what old Epaphroditus calls. <laughs> He's got a good word. I know he knows. Hello, hey, Pappy. Yeah, 
Praise the Lord. Hey, thanks for the encouragement. God bless you, brother. I love you, man. Thanks for calling. Call me anytime. Doctor fees. Ignore. What kind of believer are you? Let's pray. Father.